I, that word just kind of came to me. So I asked S.A. because I was driving. I said, check up the meaning of exploit for me. And she said to me from her phone, she said, making full use and deriving benefit from a resource. So exploit, exploitation as we know it, or most of us think about it, is cheating someone. But the, one of the meanings of exploiting is to make full use of a resource. So that means if God's promises are ABC, I am free because it's mine. He gave them to me. I'm free to actually take all the ABC and not leave anyone for him. He doesn't need it. He gave them to us. So we're going to take advantage of those promises. And sometimes some people say, oh, uh, those promises are for the people in, in the Bible days. No, they are for us. Especially when God actually says it to you. Uh, in maybe in your quiet time or as you're studying the word of God, that word jumps out at you and it's a promise from the scripture, then it is for you. It is, you, you, you claim it and you stand upon it. And sometimes when we stand upon the promises of God, we expect it to be like this, to just show up. So today, in today's teaching, we're going to look at two um, Bible characters and we're going to try and put up the years that they had to wait for the promises that God made to them. God made promises and they had to wait. They had to, to wait, but they kept believing as they were waiting. What do you do while you wait? How do you exploit? How do you make sure that you get the full dose or the full promises of God? Now, what is a promise? A promise is something someone says. It's a declaration of assurance uh, that one, somebody would do something. Uh, and that particular thing would happen at a particular time. So, if I say to someone now, maybe even one of my sons, I'm going to get you a Mercedes-Benz, a brand new one, tomorrow. He's probably going to look at me, Mom, did you win the lotto? Uh, what's going on? Where's that money coming from? Because they have an idea. Uh, are we going to go get a loan or something? They're probably going to ask me. But I'm sure if maybe the governor of this state just likes uh, EJ and says to him, come to my office tomorrow and I'll get you a Mercedes-Benz. EJ probably will believe that governor because of the relationship they have and um, the fact that he probably has the money to do that. So when we talk about the promises that God has given to us, the way we see him, that's the way we're going to be able to receive and say, yes, he's able to do it. So we're going to look at some scriptures that talks about this promise maker, this God that makes promises to us. Who is he? What, have, what has the Bible said about him? What makes it um, uh, true that he's going to bring those things to pass? What are those things that gives us that assurance that God will do what he says he will do? What's that backing that we have? So we're going to look at some scriptures. Look at the, some of the characteristics of God that makes him able to do what he says he will do. And I want you at the back of your mind to be thinking, what are the things God has promised me that I probably have just thought it probably will never come to pass again? Because the years have gone by, because things have happened. And 
the way I see God, when you are at the edge beginning to doubt that he would do something that he says he would do, he begins to come back to you and show you some more things and say some words to you that give you hope to hold on to, to the fulfillment of that promise. So let's look at Hebrews. We just want to look at some characteristics of God. Hebrews 6, 13 to 18. Uh, if we could have that in the message. I hope they got that. Okay. It says, when God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt. That's a different uh, version, but I like that too. Putting his own reputation on the line. He said, I promise that I'll bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Let's go. Amen. Let's go on to the next verse. Abraham stuck it out. Man, that's good. And got everything that had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them so that if there is any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. I'll, I'll come to that in a minute. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word a rock-solid guarantee. Praise the Lord. God gives his promises and there is nobody else to swear by or to take an oath by. Except for himself, because there was, there's nobody higher than him. So he couldn't say, oh, if I don't do this, we'll go to court. Or if I don't do this, let this happen to me. There was nobody else that he could swear by. So he had to swear by himself. When a man gives you a promise, I can promise you something. If my situation changes, you might not find that thing. You might not receive that thing from me. Because my situation has changed. But God is permanent he doesn't change if he says he's going to do something we have a guarantee that he will do it because he's not going to tell you what he can't do he would only tell you what he can do now the only qu other question is we're reading this fancy hebrews 6 13 to 18 and he's saying god promised abraham and abraham held on to the promise and the promise came to pass but we all know that that's not how it happened for Abraham. <laughs> Abraham had to wait so many years. In fact, in between, he was beginning to help God. He was beginning to sleep with his maidservants, beginning to have children by different people, beginning to do his own stuff that, well, I can't wait for this God anymore. So much so that even when the promise was repeated again, we all know what Sarah did. She laughed because she couldn't see it coming to pass and i don't know where you are tonight about the promises that god has given you but i just want to assure you that if he said it to you he will do it he will bring it to pass and he knows you he knows when you're even getting to that edge where it looks like you're beginning to disbelieve the word of god and say i don't think maybe this is not for me uh, maybe God told me before that I, I'm going to be this, that, that, and it's not happening. Okay, maybe it's for my children now. Maybe it's for the next generation. Maybe for my grandkids. I mean, I'm past that age now. I'm, I'm over ABC age, whatever the age is. But he's, if he said it to you, then be sure that he's going to bring it to pass. 
We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. That is 18. I'm reading 18 to 20 now. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. God's promises are constant. They are not changing, like we all know. 2 Corinthians 1, 19-21. If we could have that up. Thank you, sir. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, that's Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no. That is, God's word that was preached was not Today, he says, oh, I gave you that promise. Tomorrow, he says, oh, no. You know, human beings, when, you, when they tell you something and it's not going the way they said it, they can say, oh, that's not what I meant. I meant it like this. I meant that. They can twist the words. It could even be a prophecy. They can say, oh, that's not, that's not what God... I think God said it this way. Without, I mean, because they were kind of maneuvering the word. A human being would tell you, I'm going to do this for you. And when things are not even working, instead of them coming back to say, my brother, I don't think this is going to work out. I thought they were going to give me this kind of money at work, but I didn't get it. I'm sorry. They can say, well, uh, that's not the way I said it. What I was saying, what I meant that day was that God was going to meet your needs. God was going to meet you at your point of need. Probably lying to cover up the inadequacies. But God is not like that. He is a constant God. He says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him was yes. In him was yes. If he says it, he says, for all the promises of God, verse 20, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen. It is not yes and no. It is yes and amen. It is yes and amen. It is done. Period. So whether you are seeing the signs of it happening now, or if he says, the word of God says, I am the Lord that he let thee. And you're checking your body and it looks like, man, I've been quoting these scriptures for some weeks now and I really, I'm not seeing it. I mean, sometimes, and I'll, I'll share a small experience with you. Just, and I think that's why God took me to go look at his promises again, you know, concerning me and my household. And it's not yes and no. It's yes and amen. It says, to the glory of God through us. Now, who, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. So his promises are constant. They are yes and amen. His promises cannot fail. Every other thing can fail. He says not an iota of his words will go unfulfilled. The, the, the birth of Jesus was prophesied over 2,000 years before the issue came to be. A long, long time before it came to be. The person who prophesied it had gone, had left the scene. So he didn't even get to see the, the prophecy come to pass. But did it come to pass? He sure did. He did, because God will not fail to make his words come to pass. So, whatever God has promised you, please hold fast to it, because he's able to keep it. 
First Kings chapter 8, 54 uh, to 56. This was talking about Solomon. We'll read it. And um, it says, First Kings 8, 54 to 56. And so it was, when Solomon had finished praying all his prayers and supplication to the Lord, that he arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. Sounds like what we do here. Then he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. Not one word failed. Every word that God gave to Moses. Remember, Moses was far, a far cry, I mean, generation-wise, from where Solomon was talking. He says, not one word. So he was recounting the promises that God gave to Moses. Those promises, it would, I mean, some people would have said, you know what? It didn't even happen in his time. Even he didn't even get to the promised land. So what are we talking about? Those words are useless. Those words cannot come to pass. But Solomon was able to recall that these words were given to Moses and that in their very before now, they are seeing those words come to pass. So no matter how far, it looks like you're not seeing them. They're not matching. You're, you're looking at the promise and you're looking at your situation right now. It doesn't look like it's making any sense. But brethren, you are in the pathway because there is a location for that promise to take place. We're going to look at some, some people's lives as we go and we'll see how they waited and how they held on to the promises of God. God watches over his promises to bring them to pass. That means when I read that i was thinking about a guard a watchman you know when you have a watchman that is standing guard of a particular thing or a location usually these days we have a lot of camera being our guards now but back in those days you had a security guard more so i drive past the church sometimes I don't think I see any security guard outside there. But I'm sure if this was like maybe 50 years ago or 40 years ago, you probably would have a guard to guard the door or guard the gate. God, and what do, what do the guards do? They stand watching for if anything that is not supposed to be there wants to come in there, they kind of get them off the property, off the situation. The Bible says that God is guarding his promises. He's guarding his words. So he's watching over those words to make sure that they come to pass. So he's more concerned about that word coming to pass than even me or you that he gave the word to. He is more interested to make sure that that word does not fall to the ground. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but not a dot, not a jot of my word will go unfulfilled. So if we have that at the back of our minds, then when we see situations that we're going through, we can fall back on those promises because we know he will definitely come through for us. Isaiah 49, 14 to 16, it says, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. Is that not how we feel sometimes? I have been there. I felt that way even last week. And 
uh, God started giving me some words, even three weeks ago. That's why you have to stay in fellowship with God. You, you cannot afford to be a lone ranger. I hear some people say, I'll worship God at home. I'm fine. That's okay, but <laughs> I think fellowshipping with one another is good. Fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit is awesome. I'm telling you, I'll give you a story of even my own encounter recently, and it was just an awesome blessing. If not, I would have made a blunder of some situation that I was in. It says, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and my God has forgotten me. If you're saying that to yourself for any reason tonight, just note, this is what the response of God was. It says, can a woman forget her nursing child? And not have compassion on the son of her womb. Surely they may forget. Which means it's possible. We see that a lot. We see people. Uh, we, we, uh, we give people the opportunity. If you have a baby and you don't really want the baby. You can drop the baby at a fire station. And we can take care of the baby. We can find a home for the baby. So, uh, so that's a mother. Who is not interested in that baby. So it's possible. So, and when they were writing this scripture, I don't think they were seeing so many of those, but God knew that a mother can actually forget their, their baby, can forget their son. But personally, from my own personal experience, a good parent, a good mother or father, uh, especially mothers, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's easy to forget your child like that, except if the person has some problems maybe mentally. Uh, but apart from that, it's really difficult to forget your children. As grown as they even are, no matter even if you're a grandma, you, you, you still think about how that child came to be and the love that you have for that child. You don't want them to make mistakes. God is saying, even if you forget your, that's your baby or that's your son or daughter, says, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you in the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. These are your hands. And God is saying in his own hands. He has us inscribed in his hands. That means every time he looks at his hands. Or he moves his hands. Or he does anything. He is actually seeing us. He is the God that is able to have us all. How big? That hand must be really big. Because I was just trying to imagine. How big are your hands God? How big that you can have every billions of us all inscribed in your hands. And he, he, he has it. He's not lying. It's the truth. He has us inscribed. He says our walls are continually before him. So he's aware of your situation. Even when you think he's not thinking about you, like this uh, scripture, it says, but Zion said, the people of Israel said, who is Zion? Zion is the church. The church is saying, God has forgotten them. God is not concerned about them. God has left them for the government to run them over. God has left them for whatever your situation is that you think you're being run over by that situation. He says, even if a suckling mother, a nursing mother, that's a baby, baby mother, forgets the baby he says he will not and that's a promise so you can hold on to that promise god you didn't forget me so i need to see you i need to see action going on in my situation he says isaiah 43 18 to 21 uh, to 20 that's where i'm going to now start to talk about the things the promises of god to you we're just going to take that one promise and think about it he says do not remember the former things. So many things happened last year. 
So many ha- things happened last week. So many things happened the earlier part of today. He says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. You shall, shall you not know it? I will make, I will even make a road in the wilderness. Do you know how much it takes to make a road in the wilderness? And rivers in the desert. In the desert, it's a dry place. It's contrary to those rivers. And he's saying to us that those situations that look impossible, I am going to make them possible. I am going to make a way in the wilderness. I am going to put waters in the, in the, in the desert. Those are things that will not naturally happen. But he's saying to us that, I will do that. I will even make a road in the wilderness and the rivers in the, the beast of the field will honor me. The jackals and the ostriches because I give waters in the wilderness. Are you in a wilderness situation? He gives waters in the wilderness. He, he brings, he brings um, refreshment. Like I was saying, when you are in a situation and, it, and you are holding on to the promises and it looks like they are not coming to pass. I'm telling you, as you're studying the word of God, as you're meditating upon it, I don't care which scripture you pick up to read. God can, have you experienced that before? God uses a scripture that you would never have thought that that message would come from. And it just hits your heart. You say, oh my God, I, didn't even, I couldn't even have related this to my situation. And it just hits you. And then you know that, okay, this is God speaking to me. He's saying that he would give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen, me and you. We are chosen. We are the chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. He says he will give us waters in the desert. He will make way for us in the wilderness. He will create paths for us. Even things that are impossible, he is able to do that for us. And I want you to think about that. So take whatever situation you have, begin to say, God, I know you are able to do it. Now I'm going to run through... Joseph, Joseph's story. Remember, he had a dream. Genesis 37. uh, In fact, it's Genesis 37 through 41. So we can't read all that. So I'm just going to say the story, but you can always read it up. Joseph, remember how he woke up one morning and he had a promise from God. It was a dream. God was telling him, his brothers were going to bow down to him. And in fact, as soon as he said the dream to the brothers, remember it wasn't that this, the, this, the dream said, your brothers are going to bow down to you. The brothers were able to interpret the dream real quick and say, wow, are we going to bow down to you? The enemy sometimes can even interpret the promise of God better. The promise of God concerning you, he knows that, oh, God says, I'm going to make this person uh, a praise in the earth. I'm going to give this person health to do whatever. And then the enemy says, okay, I heard that. Is he saying that you're going to be uh, stronger than every other person? Yes, that's what he says. Joseph was given a dream. In fact, the next time he slept again, he had another promise. This time it wasn't just the brothers bowing down. It was now both the brothers and his parents bowing down to him. And his father said, ah, are we going to now bow down to you? But because he was a father, he was able to take that into advisement. But the brothers, they took that into hatred. And they were trying to stop the promise of God from taking place. The Bible records that Joseph was sent to go give food to his brothers, which was a good thing. The father had shown favoritism towards him. The brothers were already upset with him. His brothers... Not outsiders, family members, 
same family. They ganged up against him. And they decided they wanted to kill him. Reuben now said, no, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in, into that pit. Because he had the mind that I'll just go get him. Because he was a lone wolf trying to convince the other 11 or so or 10 people. So he decided, okay, I'll just let them drop him in there and I'll go back and get him. But before you knew it, God knew that that was not where the promise was going to take place. So God decided that, put him in that pit, sell him as a slave. And this boy was going like a ram to the slaughter. I didn't see, when I read through that scripture again, I didn't see where he was grumbling and cursing his brothers out. He just followed the slave traders or slave buyers and followed them and went on to Egypt, far away. And they lied to the father and said, oh, an animal ate him up. This is his... uh, this is his coat. You like that coat? You made that coat for him. Take it now and smell the, the blood in, in the coat. And the father wept and wept and mourned. Those kids must have been really mean. They didn't even ever go back and say, Daddy, we actually sold him. He didn't die. They, they never said that. They were happy that he was gone. And they were thinking the promise of God for him would not come to pass. But they didn't know that they had put him on a flight to the destination where the promises would take place. But that flight at, to, at that time looked like punishment to Joseph because it's not fun to be a slave in another person's land. It's not fun to be a slave anywhere or a maid or, or I don't know how to put it. It's not fun. So he got there. You would even think things were looking up for him. He gets, in, gets to be in Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, he, he became quickly The Bible records, and I read that, I said, and God was with him. And because he was in Potiphar's house, God blessed Potiphar. Because of him, God was blessing Potiphar. Because of you, God is blessing your CEO. Because of you, God is blessing your family. Because of you, God is blessing. Meanwhile, you're looking at yourself like, but it looks like I'm still a slave. I I don't have that freedom to do what I need to do. But you are free because you have Jesus on the inside of you. He got there, God was blessing Potiphar. And all of a sudden, maybe he was getting too comfortable. And God said, this is not where the promise that I gave you is going to come to pass. At the time they sold him, he was 17 years old. So let's follow the story. He got to Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife began to, to like him and wanted to sleep with him. Another person would have said, <laughs> I have control over all this. It's just the wife that I don't have control. And she's offering herself. I didn't beg her. She's offering herself. He could have gone that way. But he knew he was carrying a promise. He knew that there were things that he could not do. Because these promises, some of them have condition. So he knew he couldn't mess up that promise. He couldn't mess up the, the, the plan that God has for him. So he had to follow. And some people think they can do anything. Um, I don't want to speak my local language. You can do anything and just get God's blessing on you. No. Joseph understood that. So he said to himself, I'm not going to mess up my... Instead, I will leave my coat to you. You can have the coat. And he ran. He flee. Which the Bible tells us that we should flee every appearance of evil. He saw that evil. And the woman lied against him. Told all sorts of stories. And he found himself in prison. You would think that from Potiphar's house, there would have come a celebration of release of the slave. And then he would have gone about his business. He would have been grateful that he was even in a a land where he could have a roof over his head and enjoy his life. 
But that was not the case. He was going further and further down. He was initially a servant in Potiphar's house. Now he's now a prisoner. He had committed a criminal offense. And nobody knows when he would have been able to come out of that thing. Then he gets there. One day, the king's butler and the king's baker, they were locked up in the same jail with him. And they had a dream. Who gave them the dream? God. And he interpreted the dream. You would think that when the butler got back to the palace, when he was restored back to the palace, the first thing he would be shouting is, oh, there's a guy in the prison. Man, that guy is a prophet. That guy is cool. That guy. So some of us are going through some things, and you think, oh, with this, I mean, what else can the devil do? He that is down needs fear no fall. I'm already down. There's no more that the enemy can do. And then the enemy comes again, and it's like, hammering you again and you are it's like you're now beginning to say where else can i fall to but joseph the bible records in the prison god was with him what does that tell me he kept up the fellowship he kept up reminding himself of the promises even though his situation did not speak to the promises of god he was believing that those promises would still take place in jail how do you believe that because he knew God. The Bible says that they who know their God, I think it's in Daniel, who know, those people that know their God, they will be strong and do exploits. So if you know your God, and if you know that he's faithful to his promises, then you will be strong and do exploits. You will be able to take advantage of all his promises towards you. And Joseph stayed there. Guess how many more years? Two years in that jail. Then one day, when God was ready for the promise to come to pass. The king had a dream that would not give him peace. When the Lord is ready to bring the promises that he has given you to pass, everything, both the weather, the, everything will begin to work. They'll begin to align themselves. The, 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 the king had a dream and he could not sleep. He was restless. He needed someone to interpret it. That was when the butler now said, Oh my, oh my, I, I remember there was somebody in, in the prison. His name is Joseph. He interpreted our dream to us. And just as he said it, that's how he came. That was the right timing. So what does that, God's promises show up at God's timing. It's not at our own timing. At his own timing. So your timing might be right now. But his own timing might be a day after. Or one year after. But the, the good thing is that. Whether it's a day after. Or a year after. Or ten years after. Just hold on to those promises. Joseph held on to the promises. And we all know the rest is history. How he got. He became the governor. And the king pronounced and said. In this country. In this land. Every other person's word is under Joseph's word, except for me as king. He just could not put his crown down for Joseph. He said, Joseph is only next to me. Everybody else is under Joseph. In a land where I, I, want, I would have loved to see Potiphar's face when he sees that Joseph that he had put in prison has now become his boss. So he would see that God is really with him. Praise the Lord. When you know the word that God has spoken to you, then you are able to hold on to that, speci that specific promise that he gave to you. There are promises. A few weeks ago, um, 
you know, of course, you all know my husband and the situation that we are in. And I was just, you know, praying. I heard that somebody was coming to town. One of his siblings was going to be there and was going to uh, he, um, probably come and see us. And I was already a little upset. So I woke up with a word from the Lord saying, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So I'm like, vengeance is yours. And you're watching all this drama going on. I, I don't see you avenging anything. I just see you just allowing everything to happen. I'm like just in a, in a place. And for one day, sincerely, one, the day I got that word, I didn't even open the Bible to look at the word again and say, let me even figure it out. But the word will not leave me. So by the next day, I had to open the Bible, searched up all the places where it says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. After reading them, I said, you know what, God? I give it to you. You can surely repay. You will do it. Because when he does it, it's perfect. There's, there's a limit to the vengeance that I, as a human being, can avenge myself. But if God avenges you, it's going to be very thorough. And in fact, you may have to kneel down and pray for the people he's avenging you against. Because you see the hand of God dealing with them. And you start to say, God, please have mercy upon these people so you believe the promise of god because you know that god cannot fail this is how to exploit god's promise you know it you first need to know it if you don't know it like i had to go dig up the scriptures that talks about vengeance is mine i had to know that okay this is what god is saying to me and he will do it so i had to hold on to that scripture and when you now know it you you believe it not just know it it wasn't head knowledge for joseph it was real. It was reality. He knew that God, because when his siblings came, he didn't even hold it against them. You heard him beginning to, you know, reconcile with them, telling them that God sent me here for a purpose. so that I, Because they bowed down to him. They didn't even know. They bowed down to him. The prophecy came to pass. The promise came to pass. The dream came to pass. That's the same way yours and mine will come to pass. Despite what the enemy is doing to stall it, to make it look like God is not busy doing anything about us. He has us inscribed in the palms of his hands. He says, be obedient to the instruction attached to the promise. Let's look at Daniel 11, uh, What does it say? Daniel 11, there's sometimes some of those promises there is an attachment to it and um, if you don't do your own part then you may not see god's own part there so if there, if you see that there is a promise attached to it it says those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery but the people who know their god shall be strong and carry out great exploit so the word there is no you got to know your God for you to be able to, for you to be strong and carry out great exploits. And there are so many promises, so many promises that have our own portion attached to it. So every time you pick up that promise, uh, he will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Read what is before that. Read what is behind that. What is he saying? Don't just jump and say, I'm going to be a millionaire. He says, I'm going to do, but what did he say you need to do first? You've got to serve God. You've got to do what he says to do for you to see those promises. Take your eyes off the problem or the storm. Create a new reality. Joseph took his eyes off 
his situation. Because I'm sure if he continued thinking about the fact that he was a slave, the fact that he was in Potiphar's house, the fact that he was uh, in, in the prison, if he thought about all that, I guess he would be depressed. But he wasn't. Even in that situation, he was, he was a blessing to Potiphar. He was a blessing to the, to the other fellow prisoners. I'm even imagining that they came to him and said, we have a dream. And he has a dream that hasn't come to pass. And he's telling them in three days, this dream is going to take place. And truly, in three days, it takes place. So that, that might make someone else feel depressed that, you know what? I just told them the interpretation of their dream and theirs came to pass. Mine is still hanging. What is God doing? Is God still with me? But he knew his God. That's why he was able to stay strong through the situation. Through it all, he was able to stand firm and say, you know what, I'm not shaking. God is going to come to bring this to pass for me. Do not be weary. Be vigilant. God's working on it and he's with you as you wait. As you wait on him, he is with you. Joseph, the Bible records that, in Potiphar's house, God was with him. In the prison, God was with him. In Pharaoh's uh, uh, kingdom, God was with him. So don't take your eyes off the promise. Stay still. Like we heard the other day, be still. Stay still. Recount the promises. Believe them against all odds. There are so many things that, you know, like I was saying to you guys, uh, I was um, just wondering. Every time I hear reports from where my husband is, it wasn't looking like good reports. So I was like, God, what is going on? It's like the more we are praying, the more we are not seeing. It's not, it's not matching up. And then the Holy Spirit, like I told you, it could take you to a scripture that doesn't even relate. Took me to read about Nebuchadnezzar. You remember the story when that guy, he doesn't know God. He was prideful and everything. And at a point, he had to become a beast for seven years. What was God trying to tell me? God said, if a king that didn't know me became a beast for seven years, and when I restored him, I restored him completely. He came back to the throne, nothing missing, nothing broken. He came back, he sat on that throne after seven years of being not well in his mind, walking around like, like an animal, and God brought him back. So God told me, no matter the reports that you are getting, no matter the things that you are seeing, I'm able to restore and restore completely. I'm holding on to that. This reality might not look like it is what uh, um, is, is happening, but I'm holding on to that and I'm believing God to see that come to pass. So that's what I'm saying about as you stay and you wait on the Lord, those things that you are waiting on, He's going to keep encouraging you along the line. Uh, the other day I was... Um, and you know, human beings, we are human, so sometimes we get into that phase. Even uh, Pastor Shelley probably is not aware, and I'm saying this for the first time to her. Uh, we used to have this small group that we go to at the Tustins, and uh, I was sharing about, I think, prayer point, and she decided to pray. That day she was praying. She doesn't even know it. She was hitting on everything that I needed for me to be encouraged that night. And I went back home and I said, God, you, you have a, you, you are, I don't know how to express it. God is, he's, he's a God that, he knows where you are. Even, before, even without you saying it, he knows how to get the right thing. She was praying. The prayer point I raised was different from what she was praying about. But she was praying 
on point. I left that place very encouraged because I just felt in my heart that God knew where I was. And God decided to let me know. She may be praying on her own because I know so many people here pray for my family. She may be praying on her own at home. But that day, she was on point. And I needed to hear that. You know, encouraged like that, leaving that place. So no matter what you are going through, God has those, you know, when people run marathons, we stand by the road to give them water and give them stuff. There are God's words and promises. They are just on the road of this journey to give you things that you need to refresh you for the race so that you can get to the finish point. The Lord will help us. He says, be vigilant. Be vigilant because the enemy wants to throw things at you to derail you and get you off course. So be vigilant. Joseph had a full load of all those derailments, all those things that would derail him, but he refused to be moved. And I want us tonight that you would say to yourself, I don't know what mountain you're facing. I don't know what situation you're facing that looks like maybe you're going around the mountain and it looks like nothing is happening. The children of Israel went around the wilderness for 40 years and it looks like nothing was happening. But God had a plan. He was making sure the generation that didn't need to get in there were all taken away before he takes them into the land. And he made sure that even in that situation, he made provisions for them. We didn't hear about a tailor or a cobbler fixing shoes for them. Shoes were perfect, permanently okay. Clothes were okay. Everything they needed, they had it. They needed food, God provided it. They needed whatever. So in that place where you are, make sure you don't forget God. In that situation, that's not when you say, I don't care anymore. God is not helping me. God is not. No, stay put right there. His promises are yea and amen. He would bring them to pass for us. I don't care whatever anybody says. I am believing God for my husband. He's going to be well like Nebuchadnezzar was restored permanently, perfectly. My husband would be restored. So no matter how dead the situation looks, God is able to restore completely. If he promised you, he will do it. You know the funny thing? I was reading about Jesus the other day. He was healing people. Do you know he never asked them, do you want to accept Jesus before I heal you? The Bible says all that were sick amongst them, multitude, all that were sick among them, they got healed. They went back home happy. (laughs) So if God could heal the people who have not even said, Jesus, come into my heart, how much more us? If God could provide for those people, the people that came to Jesus to, to hear the word and then they were, he had to feed the multitude with just uh, 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 two fishes and five loaves of bread. He had to feed those people. He didn't go asking them, have you accepted me? Take some bread. Take. No. The Bible says he blessed that thing and he went around. All of them ate. They were full. They had baskets to go home. How much more us? If he clothed the lilies, if he does all these things that we are reading about. This is not fake. This is real. Real. Real, real, real. I mean, if a man wrote this, there are some scriptures that will not be here. If a woman wrote this, there are some scriptures that I will not put there. If I wrote this, I won't put some scriptures there. I will put the ones that will favor me. And if children wrote this, little kids wrote this, there are some things they will not put there. Because they don't want the parents to do certain things. But God allowed this to be written for us. So if you see the promise there, claim it. Let us bow down our heads and talk to God. What is that promise that you have from God? Tell him that you believe him 
and you want to see it come to pass in your life, in your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, extended family. Father, we just want to thank you tonight. We thank you, Lord, because we know you as a promise keeper. You are a promise maker who also keeps the promises. You are not a liar. You can do what you say you would do. So every promise that you have given to us in this house, in this church, concerning the church, concerning this nation, concerning us as individuals, concerning our children, our children's children, Father, we believe you and we know that you would bring it to pass. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.